0: Good afternoon, Jordan Lewis from the capital city on KINY. The Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation almost certainly will not seek riskier investments as it tries to increase the value of the fund to $100 billion. Its Board of Trustees decided as the board prepared to finalize a new strategic plan on Monday. Final approval of the plan will take place in December, but board members had considered raising the fund's investment target in order to reach $100 billion within five years. The current target is 5% plus the rate of inflation as measured by the Consumer Price Index. During a work session meeting on Monday, trustees did everything but explicitly reject the idea after advisors said it was particularly risky. Board chair Ethan Shute said, I think it's likely it will stay at the CPI plus 5 based on the robust discussion today. The board hadn't formally proposed raising the fund's investment target, but doing so is implicit in any plan to raise the fund's value to $100 billion in five or seven years. Marcus Frampton, the fund's chief investment officer, said, If we choose to target a $100 billion dollar value by a certain date, that might involve the board adopting a new target. Mathematically, hitting $100 billion in five years would require an average annual return of 9.3%, roughly 7% above expected inflation. Doing so would require the funds to be aggressive, according to Frampton, who went on to say, Would I set that goal personally? I don't know. I'm not sure I'd be there with that 9.3 number. Trying to reach that target would likely involve more money in risky private equity accounts and investments using borrowed money, staff said. Under one scenario, the fund would have borrowed as much as $18 billion, a quarter of the fund's present value. Britt Harris, the interim CEO of the Texas Permanent School Fund and a member of the Permanent Fund Corporation's Investment Advisory Group, said it's probably imprudent to target a 7% return plus inflation. Both Harris and fellow Investment Advisory Group member George Zinn, treasurer of Microsoft, advised the board to target 4% returns instead, a figure that's below and not above the fund's current 5% target, A 4% target would also be less than the annual transfer from the permanent fund to the state treasury each year. The City and Borough of Juneau Assembly will be taking public testimony on Mended Home River flood mitigation on Monday, November 6th at 6 p.m. during the Assembly Committee of the Whole work session. The meeting will take place in person in the City Hall, Assembly Chambers, and remotely via Zoom. At the meeting, staff will give a brief presentation on the efforts CBJ has made thus far and potential funding opportunities available to help with mitigation, primarily bank stabilization. The public will then have an opportunity to ask specific questions and or bring forward mitigation suggestions for assembly consideration. The assembly will gather questions and suggestions from the audience and schedule a follow-up with subject matter experts, including representatives from the Army Corps of Engineers, the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service, and Department of Military and Veteran Affairs. Testimony time will be limited to three minutes per individual and members of the public that want to provide oral testimony via remote participation must notify the municipal clerk prior to 4 p.m. on Monday, November 6th by calling 907-586-5278. For in-person participation at the meeting, a sign-up sheet will be made available at the back of the chambers. In advance, sign-up is not required. Members of the public are encouraged to send their comments in advance of the meeting to boroughassembly at juneau.gov. Please note that flood mitigation is the only topic on which the Assembly will take public testimony at this session, and other agenda and non-agenda items are not open for public testimony at this time. Juno artist Lily Hope has been awarded the $5,000 Marie Darlin Prize for 2023 through the Juno Douglas City Museum. At the University of Alaska Southeast, Hope is a term assistant professor of arts teaching textiles and weaving. Lily Hope will be featured in the December 8th UAS Evening at Egan presentation as part of the Winter Fire Creative Showcase, in which UAS arts and science faculty will come together to present a fusion of creativity and scholarly excellence and encourage a conversation about our community's rich and diverse artistry. Karen Salkaitis, Dean of Arts and Sciences, remarked, I'm honored to congratulate our esteemed faculty member, Lily Hope, for being awarded the prestigious 2023 Marie Darwin Prize. This recognition is a testament to Lily's outstanding dedication and contributions to our regional, social, and cultural history. Her work exemplifies the essence of community advocacy and commitment to women's rights embodying the spirit of the Marie Darwin Prize. As a term assistant professor of Northwest Coast indigenous art at the University of Alaska Southeast, Lily Hope has inspired and educated students and significantly impacted the work of Chilkat weaving. Her journey rooted in the teachings of her mother, Clarissa Rizal, and artist Kay Parker of Juneau is a shining example of preserving cultural heritage and passing down of knowledge to future generations. On behalf of the University of Alaska Southeast and the entire arts and sciences community, we are immensely proud of Lily Hope and her remarkable achievements. Her work embodies the values of vision, community, and commitment that the Marie Darlin Prize represents. Coming up, the state filed a lawsuit asking a state superior court judge to confirm the existence of a public right-of-way to Campbell Lake and to declare that Campbell Lake is a public lake. That story is next on News of the North. The state filed a lawsuit asking a state superior court judge to confirm the existence of a public right-of-way to Campbell Lake and to declare that Campbell Lake is a public lake. The answer would resolve a decades-old dispute and allow continued public use of the lake while respecting the rights of Lakeshore landowners. Last spring, two Lakeshore landowners filed a lawsuit in federal court seeking a declaration that the section line easement that runs north-south through Campbell Lake does not exist and that their property is unencumbered. The state filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit, which is currently pending before the federal court. Public access is essential to the use and enjoyment of state-managed lands and waters throughout Alaska. Over the years, the lack of an agreed-to route to Campbell Lake has contributed to disagreements between the public and nearby landowners. Alaska Attorney General Treg Taylor said during recent years, the status of Campbell Lake as public water and access to it have caused uncertainty among lakefront property owners and the public. The state is filing this litigation in an attempt to resolve the matter and provide certainty to all affected interests. The objective would be to establish the existence of the easement so we can negotiate a route that minimizes adverse impacts on property owners yet allows access to the public water body. Commissioner of the Alaska Department of Natural Resources John Boyle said that the filing will help provide answers. Having the court confirm the validity of the easement will be a positive first step, we intend to vigorously protect Alaskans' rights to access public waters, when the two landowners filed in federal court, they were, in effect, trying to overturn decades of established section line easements in Alaska with potential implications for access to public lands and waters across the state. The Department of Law and Natural Resources look forward to defending our position that the section line easement of, at Campbell Lake is valid. We remain open to working with the plaintiffs and others as we have tried in the past on negotiating an alternative route for the easement to ensure Campbell Lake's recreation opportunities are available to all. The state believes a court order based on the facts and laws at issue will provide much-needed clarity for both the property owners adjacent to the lake and the public who seeks to use it. An Alaska state trooper fatally shot a man who was brandishing a rifle outside a motel early Monday in the community of Toke, according to authorities. The trooper was responding to a 911 call from the occupants of a motel room who said a man was trying to break in, according to a statement from the State Department of Public Safety. The trooper, quote, observed an adult male brandishing an AK-47-style rifle outside of the motel. Due to the adult male's actions, the trooper shot the adult male with their handgun, the statement said. The agency identified the man who died as Timothy Thomas, age 21, of Northway. The name of the trooper was not immediately released. The shooting was being investigated by the Alaska Bureau of Investigation. Based on the 911 call and the preliminary investigation, troopers believe Thomas was the person who tried breaking into the room, Austin McDaniel, the Department of Public Safety spokesperson, said by email. In response to questions about how many shots are fired or if the occupants of the motel room knew Thomas, McDaniel said, this is part of the active and ongoing investigation being conducted by the Alaska Bureau of Investigation. The trooper who fired the gun has been placed on 72 hours of administrative leave in the aligned with Department of Public Safety policy. And residents of some Midwestern and Mountain states gained the most income per capita during the past four years, according to a stateline analysis, which shows as competition for workers drove up pay in relatively affordable places to live. With the COVID-19 pandemic now in the nation's rearview mirror, stateline's analysis offers a more complete understanding of how some states' residents benefited economically and others didn't, and as policy decisions and Americans' choices shuffled state-by-state outcomes. The oil and gas industry boosted the per capita incomes for residents of North and South Dakota. Mountain states such as Utah saw high earners moving in from California, Oregon, and Texas. States where inflation-adjusted income declined included Alaska, where oil drilling has been in long-term decline, as well as Georgia and Maryland. Both Alaska and North Dakota have economies driven by oil, but North Dakota's shale boom is still on an upswing while Alaska's production has been in decline since the 1980s, helping North Dakota rise to the top of the income growth statistics while Alaska sunk to the bottom. Alaska's per capita income dropped 2.4% after inflation over the past four years. North Dakota landowners are seeing continued profits from oil leases on private land. Alaska's oil, however, is largely on public land that has seen more cutbacks in drilling rights, according to John Cunnington, professor of financial economics at the Belk College of Business at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis.